So what we are going to do right now, the, the title of today's message, this is part one of three, the title of today's message is An Audience with God. Just this morning, I was laying in bed, I had my handy dandy iPhone that's got this neat little app on there called uh, Pocket Sword. If you don't have that, it's an incredible Bible study tool. And I was reading my, uh, my verses this morning. And the reason that I was reading is because I have challenged all of my students at Life. You have those t-shirts there. I challenged all of my students at Life to read through the Bible in the four months that, they're, that they are at our school. Have you ever read through the Bible? Okay, all the way through. Yeah, me either. You know, I wanted to say yes when people would ask me, but I couldn't say that. So, you know, I could say, you know, I didn't read it straight from Genesis to Revelation, but I've read the Bible. I just didn't get it all in one, you know, from one direction to the other direction. And so I was reading that this morning. And as I was reading, I said, you know, God, I just, I really want to hear your voice today. I really want you to speak to me. And you know, everybody says, God spoke to me, or I just heard this voice. I didn't. I didn't hear a voice. But I was impressed just to keep reading my Bible. And we're going to talk about today that when we read this book, we sit in an audience room with God. And so on the screen there, you and I will just be reading the screen together. It says, every church should be a training school for Christian workers. Its members should be taught how to give Bible readings. Now that's the testimony of Jesus language. That means Bible studies. Have you ever heard somebody say, Ellen White said? Have you ever heard that? Does that affect you positively, negatively? Somebody share with me. Negatively. But if I say the testimony of Jesus says that every school, what are you going to think? Yeah, well, that or you're going, to, you're going to have a different view of the writings of Ellen G. White because it is actually the testimony of Jesus. Do you want to see that in the Bible? By the way, have you ever heard that Adam and Eve wore a garment of light when they were created? Have you ever heard that? Do you know where that comes from? That comes from the testimony of Jesus. Have you ever seen it out of this book? Have you ever seen it out of here? So if you could see it out of here, you'd say, wow, maybe the testimony of Jesus has something going on, right? I'll show you that as well. Let me finish reading this, and then I will show you that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Many people call her writing spirit of prophecy. And then I'll show you the, um, the garments of light, right? Every church should be a training school for Christian workers. Its members should be taught how to give Bible readings or Bible studies, how to conduct and teach Sabbath school classes, how best to help the poor and to care for the sick, how to work for the unconverted. And if I go on this side of that curtain, that is from Ministry of Healing, page 148 and 149. Every church should be a training school for Christian workers. Have you ever gone to church and someone has made an appeal, passionate appeal, for you to go and outreach with them that afternoon? You ever been there? Has that ever happened? Yeah? And if you didn't go, you felt what? Guilty. I honestly, in my heart of hearts, do not believe that God wants you to witness out of guilt. 
my wife, her name is Melanie. We have five children. She's back at life right now. She's our chef, so she's cooking for them. And uh, she said, you know, I am at peace staying here while you go up there. My brother lives in this area, so it's, I, when I came up here, it was just like coming to see family, you know, and she wanted to be here. My wife is the chef for life, life four-month lay evangelism school. Emphasis on the lay evangelism. My wife shops at Sam's Club. Sam's is about five minutes from where we hold our school. And as she is shopping one day, the young lady behind the counter or behind that little cash register said, Mrs. Moore, because the name shows up on the screen when you hand them the, the card, you know, the Sam's thing. You've been in Sam's Club before. And she says, Mrs. Moore, can you tell me what life means? Because it popped up on their screen. And my wife said, well, it stands for Lay Institute for Evangelism. She said, well, what is that? My wife said, it's a school. She said, what does your school do? Our school teaches you how to study the Bible with people, how to gain decisions for Christ, how to really enjoy being a witness for Jesus. And this young lady named Tierra said, oh, I would love to attend a school like that. And my wife says, well, I think I could arrange that, but would you like to have Bible studies too? She said, sure. Last weekend, I baptized Tierra Ray into the Seventh-day Adventist Church because my wife dared to be a friendly Christian at Sam's Club. My friends, witnessing is not something we do out of guilt. It is something that we do because we love Jesus. And I know that's a little cliche. We love Jesus, so we should do something for him. But if you do it from any other motivation... It's not a pure motivation. It's not right to do that. Continuing on here. Um, I told you I would show you. So you're going to go to Revelation chapter 12. Do you have your Bible? You may, you have it. Oh, digital land. I forget this. Guaranteed. I'm going to say on the mark. Get set. Everybody close your Bibles. On your mark. Get set. And when I say go, we're going to see if a digital Bible. Get your Bible out. You got it out? We're going to see if a digital Bible can top the age-old practice of hand movements. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, go. There? All right. So Revelation chapter 12, I was so frustrated with myself one day. I forgot my Bible when I went to a, a worship time. And, and this is just me. Maybe you're not like me. But um, I was so frustrated because I forgot my Bible. And by the time I got to the right heart. You know how it is. You're scanning up. I know these things. I've got the iPad, the iPhone, all that good stuff. Here we are. Revelation 12, 17 says, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which do two things. And what are those two things? Revelation 12, 17. Talk to me. What are those two things? They keep the commandments of God and, and they have the testimony of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. So here I say the testimony of Jesus says, and you don't get so offended about it, right? Or you don't get so put off about it. We, some people don't get offended by saying Ellen G. White says. But if you say testimony of Jesus, people are like, oh, I get it. So we're going to take two verses and put them together. Are you ready for this? We were in Revelation 12, 17. Now we are going to look at Revelation 19, 10. Revelation 19.10. Go ahead. Open it up. You're there? Oh, it's frozen. Is that an iPhone? No. Oh, okay. 
Okay, Revelation 19.10. Do you want to read this for me? Can you read this for me? I'll stand right in front of you. Do you mind reading? And th that way the microphone will pick you up. Revelation 19.10 says... 19.10, where is that? Oh, thank you. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou, do it not. I am thou fellow servant, and if thy brethren that have testimony of Jesus worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Oh, so you hear people say all the time, the spirit of prophecy says, and the Bible just told us that the testimony of Jesus is the what? Spirit of prophecy. So when I say testimony of Jesus, I'm also saying what? Spirit of prophecy. But it's hard when, when you say Ellen G. White said to somebody, it is hard for some people to accept it. But if you say the testimony of Jesus says, then people are like, oh, I can't reject the testimony of Jesus. That'd be a bad thing. And so they, they just have to accept it. You see, it's very, very fun to do this. And the next thing I told you I was going to show you, and the reason I'm showing you these neat, cool tidbits before we get into the meat of this, is because quite often we become very tired of studying the Bible because the Bible is no longer interesting to us. Do you know, I believe that I can show you, it would take me about 45 minutes, I believe I can show you beyond the shadow of a doubt that God created 25 worlds. Now you're interested, right? See, so often the things that we teach, and some people are like, this man is crazy, but I can do it. And you would just say, your mouth would hit the floor, you would start licking dust off the ground because you'd just be so amazed. <laughs> wow, it's an amazing study. But when you study the Bible with people that have never heard the truths that you and I know, how many of you have ever heard of a Bible study on Daniel chapter 2? Huh? How many of you could do that in your sleep? I mean, you could give a Bible study on Daniel chapter 2. You could say, okay, there was gold, silver, bronze, or brass, depending on your version, iron, feet of iron and clay, stone, no hands, smashes the feet. We all remember this, right? This is new to, this is old to us. But when you share this with someone else that has never heard this before, their enthusiasm is so contagious because they'll just say, ah, I can't wait to get to work and tell people. I can't wait to tell my parents. I can't wait to tell so-and-so. And you're thinking to yourself, why? I've heard this all my life, but other people haven't. So never be shy about sharing the Bible because people love hearing Scripture and they love hearing things new. At Life Right Now, we are doing something called Faith and Food. So we feed the people. We're doing this for six nights. We're feeding the people. Tonight is the last night, by the way. Feeding the people. And then we have a nutrition lecture. And then there's no smooth transition into the faith part. There's no, okay, now we're going to do the faith part. It's just like, okay, Scott, your turn. And I get up there and I just start sharing the Bible. We've got four people at church today. Never been to a Seventh-day Adventist church service because we did a faith and food thing. The Bible has power. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. So the second thing I told you that I was going to share with you, you have heard from the testimony of Jesus that Adam and Eve wore a garment of light. How many of you in the back there at Emmanuel group? That's a real part. You ever heard that? You ever heard that? That, um, that Adam and Eve were clothed with a garment of light? You ever heard that? Okay, now I'm going to show you from the Bible where you can for certain show people that Adam and Eve were clothed with the garment of light. This is exciting. Is this right, Camden? Yeah. Camden, is this right? Is this exciting? Do you want to see it from the Bible? 
Okay, open your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to do this in two verses or less, right? Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. The Bible says, Genesis 1, 26. Is it working now? I see that satisfaction on your face. And God said, Genesis 1, 26. Let us make man in our, what? In our image. God said, let us make man in what? Our, and what's the next word? Image after our likeness. So whose image was man created in? God's. And whose likeness did man reflect? God's. Let me just finish the verse. And let them, men or mankind, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So the Bible tells us that you were made in whose image? God's image. You were made after whose likeness? God's. So how does this tie in with Adam and Eve being clothed with the garment of light? Go to Psalm 104. And you are about to say, it was so plain, I just never saw it before. If I leave with nothing else, I can go tell people in my dorm that Adam and Eve were clothed with the garment of light, and I can show it to them from the Bible. We are in Psalm 104, verse, the 104th Psalm, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who coverest thyself with light as with a garment. Whose image were Adam and Eve made in? God's image. And what is God clothed with? What is he clothed with? Say that again. Light. So here you have it from the Bible itself. Was that cool or what? I mean, Bible study should be, should grasp the attention of people, whether we have heard these, this stuff forever or not. I asked one of my mentors, Louis Torres, I said, Pastor Torres, you go to evangelistic meetings all the time. You do evangelistic meetings all the time. Don't you get tired of this? He said, sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. That should be our response to the word of God. We haven't heard everything, but we have heard a lot being raised in the Seventh-day Adventist church or being Seventh-day Adventists. Look at this. Two Bible workers were seated in a family with the Bible open before them. They presented the Lord Jesus Christ as the sin-pardoning Savior. Earnest prayer was offered to God and hearts were softened and subdued. Did we pray? Before we started this, did we pray? Oh, listen, we got to pray right now. Father, please forgive me for not having prayed before we opened your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit will inspire us so that we will not be ashamed, will not be timid, will not be nervous or guilted into witnessing for you, but that it would just be absolutely natural and fun. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now I'll continue here. 
Their hearts were softened and subdued by the influence of the Spirit of God. Their prayers with, were uttered with freshness and power. And the Word of God was explained. I saw that a soft, radiant light illumined the Scriptures, and I said softly, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. This is from Testimonies. I'll go behind the curtain. Volume 9, page 35. The testimony of Jesus. And now what we're going to do is we're going to talk about one item of two things that you and I must do. This is from Testimonies for the Church, volume 3, page 53, and it says, we should flee to the Word of God. I'm quoting off the screen. We should flee to the Word of God and to prayer individually seeking the Lord. How? earnestly that we may what? That we may find him. What should we flee to in the morning? The word of God and prayer. Individually seeking the Lord earnestly that we may do what? I'm just reading from the screen. No trick questions here. That we may find him. That's absolutely right. What is the purpose of studying the Bible? What's the purpose? To find Jesus. That's absolutely right. It's good to see you, Grabner. The purpose of studying the Bible is to find Jesus. We should flee to the Word of God and to prayer. Now, there are some people at life that love to run. How many of you like to exercise and run? Anybody likes running? Okay. I tell them, they say, hey, Scott, you want to go running? I say, what's going to chase me? They said, nothing. I said, what, what would compel me to run? I mean, what is going to motivate me to run? I mean, I will run if something is chasing me and it's bigger than me, right? Other than that, I'm going to ride. I mean, the intelligence of man invented the wheel. I'll go ride my horse too. God's intelligence invented the horse. We should flee to the Word of God. Somebody that is fleeing is doing what? Running. Running. We should flee to the Word of God and to prayer. How many of you this morning, the very first thing you thought of, you don't have to raise your hands, the very first thing you thought of this morning when you got up was, oh, I need to get my Bible, oh, I need to pray. Hmm? Sometimes we hop up out of bed. Oh, I slept past the fourth alarm. Oh, I'm late for Sabbath school. Oh, my dean is going to, my RA is going to come check and I'm still going to be here. Let me hide in the closet. <laughs> No, maybe not. We used to do that when I was a student at Southern. We should flee to the Word of God and to prayer, individually seeking the Lord earnestly that we may find Him. We should make this our first business. If we do not make this our first business, and again, one of these questions you don't have to raise your hand on, how many of you struggle with the same thing day after day after day? after day, after month, after year, after 10 years. The same thing. And you pray like this, Oh God, help me to stop this, please. I know this is not good for me. I don't want to do this again. And you just feel so guilty. You feel so unworthy. You feel so not necessarily condemned, but you're just bothered by the way that you are treating God? Does this ever happen to you, or am I alone in this? Look at this. Satan 
well knows that all whom he can lead to neglect prayer and the searching of the scriptures will be overcome by his attacks. Great Controversy, page 519. Satan knows that if he can keep us from studying the Word of God and from praying, that we are easy prey. Easy. Now, how many of you just enjoy the thought of Satan being able to get you to do what he wants you to do? I mean, does that thought just excite you? I can't wait today to do something that Satan wants me to do. Of course it doesn't excite us. But when we get up in the morning, and I'm not trying to guilt you, I'm just helping us all to see the reality. When we get up in the morning and we flee to breakfast because we got up late, and we flee to class because we don't want another tardy because eventually that will affect our grade, and we forget about God, we have become easy prey for Satan. Very easy. And the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that Satan walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And you've, how many of you have been to the zoo? You ever been to the zoo? Come on, you go to the zoo and you go to the lion cage and maybe you whistle loud and you try to get the lion to roar. You, you do something crazy. You're trying to get the lion to react. Is this, have you ever been as silly, not smart as I have been? Yeah? Okay. And the only thing that is protecting me from that lion is that... 14, 16 foot high fence that has electricity on the other side of it and uh, maybe some glass as well, full well knowing that if that lion felt like it, it could come get me, right? True? We should flee to the word of God and to prayer, individually seeking the Lord earnestly that we may find him. We should make this our first business. For Satan well knows that all whom he can lead to neglect prayer and the searching of the scriptures will be overcome by his attacks. My friend, you have in your hand, whether it's a digital Bible, whether you have an iPhone or an Android or the paper edition that some people still use, you have in your hand the very tool that Jesus used to defeat Satan in the wilderness. The very tool. By the way, did you know that during the thousand-year period, during the millennium, I could show you this in Scripture as well, during the thousand-year period that you will have the Word of God in your hand? Did you know that? The Bible makes that very plain in Psalm 149, verses 4 through 9, that you will have this in your hand to, for the purpose of judging and executing judgment upon the heathen and upon the wicked. A thousand years is not just a time to get your questions answered. It's not just a time to vindicate the character of God. God has a position for you in that position. Understand this, that position is to determine the length that the wicked will burn in the fire at the end of the thousand-year period. Psalm 149, verse 4, Revelation chapter 20, whole chapter. Hebrews 4, Hebrews 4, 12, Ephesians 6, 17, it's all there. Luke 12, 47, 48, I'm doing this really for this recording because some people on the recording are going to say, you know, I don't believe that, but it's in Scripture. And this is what grasps Adventists' attention. When you share with an Adventist something that they've always heard and then you add greater detail from Scripture to it that they have not heard, they sit up in their seat and they get just as excited as people that studied the Bible Jesus' way. We'll talk about that in our next hour together. 
We are going to look at the Bible and we are going to see how Scripture is our safeguard against Satan. We're going to look in the Bible for that purpose. How does Bible study safeguard us from the devil? Some interaction. Anybody? How does Bible study safeguard us from Satan? Help me. If you could boil it down. Okay. Scripture then gives us discernment. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Okay. By the way, I just did something called paraphrasing. We teach you at Life how to communicate, and I just paraphrased her. Yes. The more you study, you become more acquainted with what you are studying. Okay, the more you study, the more acquainted you become with what you study to give us a discernment between what is right and what is wrong. The more we study, the more we are able to, we're more familiar with it. Yes, ma'am? Okay, it depends on what you're focusing on. If you're focusing on the Bible, you're going to be less distracted by the things. Is that what I'm hearing? Okay. So, yes, ma'am? It gives you ammunition. <laughs> guys like those words. Those are good words for guys. Anything else? Armor? Armor? Yes. By studying them, all of these answers are absolutely right. Scripture gives us discernment. Scripture gives us ammunition. Scripture gives us armor. Scripture gives us, if we focus on it, that is our focus, and so we're not distracted by other things. But my friends, I want you to understand that most important of all, all of these correct, right answers, is that this book puts you in an audience with God. I had a church member of mine in Michigan, in Sterling Heights, Michigan. He was not a church member at this time. He came to me and he said, Pastor Scott, uh, this Sabbath I'm not going to be able to join the church by profession of faith. My wife and I, we're just not going to be able to do that. This was on Thursday. And I said, well, tell me, Dave, what's going on? He said, well, my boss told me that if I do not show up for work this weekend, he worked in a cemetery, by the way. He said, my boss told me if I do not show up for work this weekend, it was Memorial Day weekend, that I will lose my job. And I said, man, Dave, that's pretty heavy. I said, what have you decided to do? He said, Pastor Scott, I can't, I can't lose my job. I can't lose my job. And so I began praying. I'm like, all right, Lord, give me some ammunition. I was like, all right, Lord, come on. The devil's getting this guy. Help me, help me, help me. I said, Dave, come over here. So we went over here. We knelt down. Both of us, we knelt down and we prayed. And while we are praying, I said, God, you have got to tell me where to go in this book to help Dave in this situation. Did God want Dave to begin keeping the Sabbath? Dave was convicted that the Sabbath was true. He and his wife have been studying with one of our Bible workers, Daniel Jean-Francois. If your church ever has the opportunity to hire this guy, he's an incredible Bible worker. Yeah, absolutely. He'd been studying with Daniel Jean Francois. Everything was thorough. All the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed. You have to be careful how you say that because sometimes you dot the T's and cross the I's and that's just not the way the alphabet works. And I said, Dave, we need to pray. So we knelt down and we're praying. And I'm saying, God, you have got to give me something. And God said, go to Matthew 10. It wasn't an audible voice. I just felt like, okay, Matthew 10 is where I need to go. So he said, amen. I said, brother, the Lord wants us to go to Matthew chapter 10. He said, okay. 
And so we're still kneeling down. He's right there. He's looking at me. We can smell each other's breath. We're so close. You know, we're just in the front of the church. We get to Matthew chapter 10. And I said, Lord, where do you want us to go? He said, and, and the Lord didn't answer me. Here I'm in Matthew 10. I have no idea where I'm going in Matthew 10. Do you realize how crazy that feels? And so I just started skimming. And then we read verse 32. And I said, Dave, this is it. This is what God wants us to read. Read for us verse 32. I handed the Bible to him. He says, and he's reading it to himself. I said, no, 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 Dave. We want to hear God speak to us. What did I say? We want to hear God speak to us. And so I said, read Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. And he read out loud, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men... Him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. And he's kneeling down there looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and these tears just begin streaming out of his face. And I said, Dave, what's going on? He said, man, the only thing I want is for Jesus to talk about me to God. That's all I want. I said, so Dave, what does Jesus want you to do? He says... Oh, man, I can't lose my job. And I said, okay, Lord, where are we going to go? I need some ammunition. And the Lord said, don't go far, just stay there. Verse 33. I said, David, please read verse 33. He said, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. And Dave gets up like this, and he says, Pastor, I know what I'm going to do. And I had no clue, right? No clue what he's going to do. Because here's this man, been studying for about six months, going to join the church by profession of faith because they'd already been baptized by immersion in, in another denomination. He says, I know what I'm going to do. I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to stay up all night long, and I'm going to prepare a Bible study for my boss, and I'm going in there tomorrow morning, and I am going to tell my boss that he needs to sit down with me, and we need to study the Bible, because I have some things I need to share with him before he fires me. Yeah? So the next day, he goes to work. And he says, boss, I need to talk. And this is Friday before Memorial Day, right? So this is, this is a very busy weekend for a cemetery that has a lot of veterans laying in it. You understand? His boss said, we can't talk this morning. We've got a lot of work to do. He said, yeah, but you don't understand. I have to talk to you. I stayed up all night long preparing for this discussion that you and I are going to have. And his boss said, we do not have time for a discussion. He said, but I just want you to know that I'm not coming into work tomorrow. And the boss said, that is fine, but right now you and I have to get to work. He said, wait a minute, you mean, you mean to tell me that that's just it? I tell you I'm not going to come to work tomorrow. You tell me that I'm going to be fired if I don't come to work tomorrow. And now today you tell me that it just doesn't matter. We've got a lot of work to do. He said, look, I'm not going to fire you. I just needed you to be here. Um, I'm not going to fire you, but we've got to get work done. And he said, but you don't understand. I stood up all, I stayed up all night long preparing this Bible study for you. It's good to see you, my brother. I'm going to get a hug from you. Roberto. It's good to see you. He's one of my graduates from life. His boss wouldn't let him give him the Bible study that day, but he kept his job. Is there power in this book? This is the Bible that my church members gave to me when I moved from Michigan down to Florida to run this school called Life. And David wrote on this page, 
right here. He said, I'll never forget when you took me here. I love you, exclamation mark. 32-33, David Scott. Wow. Power in the word of God. We should flee to the word of God and to prayer, individually seeking the Lord earnestly. We don't just open this book to study a topic. Although, when in our next session, you're going to say to yourself, no way I can study on Jesus, study. But you are looking for Jesus in every verse. One of my current students right now, his name is, uh, well, I'll just protect the, the innocent. We'll call him uh, um, Trim. You don't know anybody named Trim, do you? <clears throat> named Trim? How about, how about Trib? Okay, we'll call him Trib. Um, I forgot my story. What was that? Oh, so Trib, Trib comes to me. He says, you mean to tell me that no matter where I open the Bible, I can find Jesus? And uh, he's from Indiana. He grew up in the hood, and he's just still hoodie-like. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he talks that way. He's just all into things. And when he does something, he does it with all of his might. He's just one of those people that's enthusiastic and, and just throws himself headfirst into everything that he does. I said, yeah, I mean to tell you that. He said, all right, all right, I don't get it. I said, don't get what? He said, I don't get how I can get Jesus out of every verse. I said, open your Bible. He said, okay. I said, read me a verse. He said, okay. He read me a verse. I said, so where's Jesus? He said, oh, I see. He said, but that was just one verse. Let me go to the Old Testament. He opened the Bible and he read a verse and, and he looked at me. He said, never mind. <laughs> My friends, if all you're looking for, if all you're looking for when you study the Bible is proof to show your friends at work where you are right and you are wrong, that is all you will find. And you will be the most miserable co-worker that people have because all you will want to do is argue Bible truth with them. You and I flee to the Word of God and to prayer individually seeking the Lord earnestly that we may find Him. Because spending time in this book gives us an audience with the voice of God. Some of us have more Bibles in our house than we have toes on both of our feet. And we don't know what's in here. Oh, we know that the seventh day is the Sabbath. That's a good thing to know, isn't it? But why? Why should you not make somebody else work for you on the Sabbath, dear heart? Tell me. Is it just because the commandment said you shouldn't? Or is it because God doesn't want you to interrupt His time with them either? Right? Why do we honor the Sabbath the way that we do? There's a lot of things in, in Scripture that we don't even stop to think about. We just swallow it. Hook, line, and sinker. Mama did it. Daddy did it. Grandpa did it. Grandma did it. And that's why a lot of people in Christianity today are just doing what their parents did because that's the way they were raised. We have to study the Bible in order to find Jesus. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Sword drill. Whoever's there first, raise your hand so we can know who wins. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Okay, we've got a winner back there. What is your name, winner? Katie, with a Y or an I-E? A K or a C? Katie, I-E. Okay, where are we going, Katie? 
That's right, 1 Peter 1.23. And why don't you just read that loud? The people that are listening to this recording can get their Bible out and read 1 Peter 1.23 as well. Yes, ma'am. You can stop right there, Katie, with a K and an I-E. The Bible says, being born again, not with corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, how? By the word of God. So I'm going to ask you a very simple question. What is your name? Carly, with a K or a C. E-E? Why? I'm failing today. I spell things phonetically in any way it works for me, Carly. I'll do it, but I don't want to offend you. Carly, according to 1 Peter 1.23, what is it that people are born again by? The Word of God. Why would the Word of God create this born-again experience in someone's life if all it were were a bunch of facts it wouldn't do it the reason that it changes people's lives is because it introduces people to Jesus you leave Jesus out of the Bible studies that you give and you create intelligent people that are well-versed in arguing scriptural topics with others. You put Jesus in the center of your study and people will just share it with everybody that they know because they are so in love with the Jesus that changed their lives. We are born again by the Word of God. Can you see now why it is so important? Oh, it's time to spend time with Jesus. Can you see why that is so important now? Why we should flee to the word of God in prayer, individually seeking the Lord earnestly. We should make this our very first work. Do you see, dear heart? It's one thing to see it. It's another thing to do it. To discipline ourselves. Our next reference, Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. Let's go to Galatians, the third chapter. You're turning to the left from 1 Peter. Galatians. First and second Corinthians, and then you have Galatians. I want you to notice that what I am doing, I have absolutely no idea how much you have or have not studied the Bible in your life. So when I teach scripture to someone else, I always give them landmarks whereby they can find the references that we are going to. Just like at Life right now, there are several dear ladies that are coming to this health and um, faith and food seminar. They're Catholic. I believe Catholic people love the Bible. They just don't spend much time in it. And these ladies are studying the Bible with us, and they can't find something. And I said, would you like me to trade Bibles with you? They said, no, I want to find it. I said, no problem. Where are you at? They told me where they were. I said, you need to go to the left or the right. If you get to the T section, you've gone too far. If you're in Corinthians to the left, you've gone too far. You need to go back the other way. It's sandwiched in between the two. You have to give people landmarks when they study the Bible with you. Does this make sense? Otherwise, they just feel stupid. Like, I don't, I don't get this Bible thing because... I've never studied it before. Ah, I wish I had a lot more time. Galatians chapter 3 verse 8 reads, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel to Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. It doesn't matter where you go. 
in this book, you will find the gospel if you are looking for it. It is there. You are born again by the word of God, which lives and abides for how long? Forever. When the puppet show is gone out of your church, the Bible will still be there. When the evangelistic meeting, you know why people always leave the church after evangelistic meetings? You want me to tell you why? This is one of the most frustrating things for, for a teacher of evangelism, is to always hear that people leave the church after an evangelistic meeting. So why baptize them anyway? That is frustrating to me. This is why people leave. Because they come to your meetings on Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, skip Wednesday because you want to let them go back to their church before you snatch them away from, from the church that they're going to, right? So you skip Wednesday night, they go to their prayer meeting, you come back on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. And because it's the second Sunday, you really don't want to, did I start on Saturday? Did I start on, started on Sunday over there, didn't I? So you, you want to skip the second Sunday night because some people go to Sunday night service and you don't want to make those people offended. So you go to Monday night, Tuesday night, you skip Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Is this the way it works normally? My friends, five nights a week, People have been eating the pure, unadulterated Word of God. And at the end of that evangelistic meeting, it goes down to the four people that come to prayer meeting, if you are lucky, on Wednesday evening. A Sabbath school on Sabbath morning that isn't very well conducted, let's face it. A sermon. Some churches have a meal after that. But after that, you're on your own until next Wednesday. This is why people leave. If the Word of God had continued to be studied and studied and studied and time had been invested in those people the same as it was during that first month, not one of those people would leave the church. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Oh, there's lots of ways to keep people. We'll, we don't have time to go into small groups and all that good stuff. Turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 3 and 5. Jesus in John chapter 3 is talking to what Pharisee? What's his name? Nicodemus, that's absolutely right. Nicodemus and Jesus are meeting at what time of the day? No time of the day at all. They're meeting at night time, Right? So Jesus is meeting with Nicodemus, and I want you to notice this. There are some people that will only give Bible studies from like 6 o'clock in the evening to 7 o'clock, and that's the only time I'm available. Jesus made himself available all the time. So if somebody works second shift and can't study the Bible with you, but they want to study the Bible with you on third shift, set your alarm. Get up and go study with him. Come back and go back to sleep. You know what I'm saying? Jesus is studying with Nicodemus at night. John chapter 3. And Jesus says, Nicodemus asks Jesus a very interesting question. How many of you are doctors, physicians, nurses? You work in some type of the medical field. Anyone in here that way? Maybe you're a CNA. Okay, no. So we only have one person. Okay, okay, two, three people, three people that are medically inclined. All right? Now, if you're a physician, you're more than inclined, but don't take offense to that. You can't answer this question. Okay? So those of you that have the medical background cannot answer this question. Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, a Pharisee. Nicodemus has the entire Old Testament memorized. The whole thing. In his brain. You can start quoting it like that to you. That's Nicodemus. Nicodemus, that smart guy, says to Jesus in verse 2, The same came to Jesus by night, 
and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now Nicodemus was evidently pretty good at flattery. But Jesus paid no attention. Jesus looks at Nicodemus and Jesus says to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. Now I'm talking in the King James English. Jesus didn't speak this way. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Unless a man is born again, he cannot see, is that what it says? See. He cannot see the kingdom of God. So my friends, Nicodemus flatters Jesus. Jesus looks at Nicodemus' greatest need, which was the need of a conversion experience. And he said, Nicodemus, I'm going to tell you something you can take to the bank. You can cash what I'm about to tell you. Put it on this blank check I'm handing you and go get your money. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, smart man, asks Jesus one of the most absolute absurd questions that I have ever seen in Scripture. So you medical people, do not answer this. The rest of us that are not medically inclined are going to give our best guess. Nicodemus says, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Okay, all of you medically inclined people don't answer. Is it possible for Nicodemus to get back into his mother's womb and to be born again? You must be in the medical field. No, but I'm a mother. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so she speaks from a different professional perspective, which we respect. We love our mothers, don't get us wrong. The answer is an obvious no. Nicodemus had begun to go through this process called conviction and conversion. How do you respond when a man who has never met you before, maybe they had met before. Nicodemus certainly had heard of Jesus or he wouldn't have solicited this meeting by night. This man that you've never had a personal one-on-one -on -one conversation with reads your heart and speaks to you distinctly as if he had been a fly on your wall from the day that you were born. And he says, Nicodemus, you, you should know that unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus does not want to be touched in the heart. So Nicodemus tries to change the subject somehow and still relate to what Jesus is saying. So he asks the ridiculous question and Jesus unpacks for Nicodemus what it means to be born again. Those of you that have the King James Version, if you look over in verse 31, verse 31 of John 3, it says, He that cometh from above is above all. Those, the uh, Greek words that are translated from above are the very same words that are translated again. So Jesus tells Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3, verse 3. So from above is the same Greek words as again. Jesus said, unless a man is born again or unless a man is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. No, Nicodemus, there is no need to go back to mama. He says in verse 5 to Nicodemus, let me tell you something, Nicodemus, very seriously here. 
except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What two requirements did Jesus put there in John chapter 3 when Jesus unpacks the phrase, born from above, born again? What two ingredients does he unpack that phrase into in verse 5? Talk to me. To be born of the water and? And to be born of the Spirit. Now I want you to look at John chapter 6. Is that our next verse maybe? Hallelujah. John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and we're not going to read all those verses up there. You're in John chapter 6, and we are going to read verse 63. Somebody read that for me. John chapter 6, verse 63. Anyone? Fast. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. I'll read it, since no one else did. The flesh profiteth nothing, the words that I speak unto you, they are what? Spirit, and they are life. Nicodemus, the words that I am speaking unto you are spirit, and they are life. What kind of life is it? Eternal life. What's the only kind of life that comes from Jesus? Eternal life. This is true. The Bible has just told us that unless we are born again, we cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless we are born of the water and of the Spirit, we cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Dear heart, can you now understand why it is so very important for us to sit in an audience chamber with God every day? Now some people will say, do I have to do this in the morning? My friends, for me as a pastor, I, I really don't care what time you, of the day you study the Bible. That's just my own personal preference. I know we can go to Exodus. We can see that the manna was gone. The bread from heaven was gone when the dew was melted. We can, or when the sun came up, right? We can go there. We can go to Isaiah and see where Jesus got up every morning. He was woken up by God to spend time with him so that he could know what to say to people who were in desperate need of words from God. My, a very close person in my life usually stays up until about 2 o'clock in the morning. She studies the Bible from about 1 to 2 a.m. Now, would you consider that to be morning? Some would consider it to be evening. But I would consider it to be morning simply because, you know, it's after midnight. But anyway, or it's dark even, right? And so when that individual wakes up in the morning, they don't study the Bible. But I want to tell you, they have one of the most incredible relationships with the Lord of anyone that I know. God wants to be with you, period. You understand this? God wants to be with you. Period. There was a um, pastor whose church member went into the hospital. And 
while he was there, things began to go from bad to worse, and so the pastor gets a call from this, in, this church member's daughter. Please come over to the hospital. My dad is not doing well. I need you to visit with him. He's still coherent right now. Can you please come over? Pastor goes over there, and there's, here's the bed. You know, you walk into a typical hospital room. Many of us have been in a hospital room before. There's a bed in there. If you're lucky, you have a private suite. If you are more than lucky, you have somebody to witness to if you're in the hospital with them. So this guy was in a private room. And the pastor goes in, and the pastor goes to sit down on the uh, right side of that table. And the man says, Pastor, please don't sit there. Can you sit on the other side? Oh, no problem. So the pastor walks to the other side of the bed, you understand, and he sits down, and he's just having this chat with this man. And it's a good chat. How's your relationship with Jesus? Oh, Pastor, you know my relationship with the Lord is strong. Before I came to the hospital, you come over to my house at least once every three weeks, and, and you know my relationship with Jesus is good. Is there anything you need to make right in your life before Jesus lets you go to sleep? No, Pastor, everything is fine. And the pastor got up, he prayed with him, he got up, he started to leave, and when he walked past that chair, he remembered, oh yeah, the chair. And uh, he asked the man about the chair. And the man said, oh, you know, that's, that's just where Jesus sits. That's where my Jesus sits, is right there. He's always with me. He's always there. And so Jesus sits there. The pastor left. You know, he was, got a little, little choked up about that because he didn't want him to sit on Jesus' lap, you know. The next day, he gets a frantic phone call. Sobbing daughter. He's gone. He's gone. Dad was just trying to get help, and they wouldn't help him. Please come down to the hospital. He's gone. And so pastor goes down to the hospital, um, and there's the lady there in the, in, the, um, in the room. Dad's already gone out of the room. And he goes into that hospital room where his, this young lady is, and he says, you know, what, what happened? And she said, you know, the nurse came in, and dad was out of bed and he, he had his arms wrapped around the chair beside the bed and he was gone. He just got up to get some help and he couldn't get help. And the pastor had the privilege of sharing with that young lady that her dad didn't get up for help. He got up so that he could wrap his arms around Jesus when he died. My friends, Jesus longs to have a special place in each one of our hearts. Spending time in this book puts you in touch with a man named Jesus. That is the man that hung on the cross. That is the man that at the very moment Peter cuts off the ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant, Jesus says, you know, Peter, thanks for bringing the sword, but I need you to put that away. I could, I could get a, a legion of angels right now if I wanted. That's the man that we spend time with when we read this book on every page and in every verse. You will find something about God in there. Turn with me in your Bibles to back to 1 Peter. Going back to 1 Peter. And we are going to look at 1 Peter, actually 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 4. 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 4. The Bible says in 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 4, 
whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, what does the word these refer to? Promises. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises you might be made partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Dear heart, God has given us this book so that when we flee to the word of God and to prayer as individuals seeking the Lord earnestly so that we may find him, Satan will be defeated in our lives. Satan knows that all he has to do is keep you from studying this. And then you get to cook with him. Satan knows that if you spend time in this book searching for the man Jesus, that he will not be able to overcome you. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and gets up. You've heard that song, we fall down, we get up. You've heard that song? The saints are just the sinners who fall down and get up. Don't get discouraged in your Christian walk with Jesus. It's not a Christian sprint. It's not a Christian broad jump. It's not a Christian high jump. It is a Christian walk with Jesus. People tell me I can never know as much about the Bible as you know, Pastor. And I say, that's okay. You don't have to know what I know. You just need to know who I know. Often people tell me, you know, Pastor, do you know such and such at such and such a conference because I'd like to get a job there. Can you call them and talk to them about me? Well, sure, I'll, I'll call and talk to them about you. Salvation works the same way, my friends. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. Is that? And I realize some people may take issue with that. But you can know the what and not know the who and go to hell. You can not know the what and you can know the who and you can go to heaven. You want to spend time with God? You want God to speak to you? You want to hear God's voice talk? Open the Bible and read it out loud. And you'll hear it. Because he's in it. He's the word made flesh. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to be more like you. Even, even if it's not our our true goal to be like you somewhere inside of us we know that we need to be like you please help us to find you Jesus in every verse so that we can be in an audience with God we pray this in your name Jesus amen This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.